Welcome, everybody, to another great podcast from the Crystal River Church of God. Whether you're on your way to work, on your lunch break, or even taking a jog, our prayer for you is that this helps you to find focus for living. We truly hope you enjoy this message live from CRCOG. In one place. No distractions. No distractions. They weren't thinking about what's outside. They weren't thinking about what's going on in the world, the government, any of that. No distractions. Thank God they didn't have a cell phone in their pocket. No distractions. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all of the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all. They were all. Filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men. Out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. Because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed. And marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein... We were born. And they were all amazed. But were in doubt. Saying one to another. What meaneth this? I'm sure some of you in here today. You're saying. What is this all about? What meaneth this? Others mocking said. These men are full of new wine. They must be drunk. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you. In other words, let me tell you something. Hearken to my words. Listen to what I'm about to say. For these are not drunken as ye suppose. Seeing, but it is the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Come on, give him a shout of praise today. Tell somebody, this is that. This is that. It's happening right now. It's right here. This is that.
Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. I'm going to tell you this real quick. A couple weeks, about two weeks ago, I felt pressed by the Holy Spirit to preach this is that on this day. Now, I cannot tell you, I cannot convey to you how much I have been attacked, specifically this week. Specifically this week. I mean daily attacks, personal attacks, things against my character, stuff like that. Just attack, attack, attack by people who know better. I'm talking about people who know better. But the enemy was using it, working. And and, and Tuesday, I had a clear and open vision if I've ever had it before in my life. I'm telling you, I've never experienced this before in my life. I know that God gave me a vision on Tuesday. Now, if you want to know, I, I wrote about it on Facebook. I don't have time to go into it. But I'm just telling you, God gave me a vision. Then Wednesday comes, I'm feeling discouraged again. Then we have a good worship service here on Wednesday. Right? Thursday morning I wake up. I'm discouraged again. And I came to the office on my day off. And I had, I had to do some stuff in the office. I come into the office. And I open and I look on my desk. And there's an envelope on my desk. And I'm like, well that's kind of weird. Okay. And I, there was a note telling me who it came from. He was in the early service. I opened up the envelope and there was a poem. And inside of that poem was this little piece of paper. Now you, of course, you can't see what it says on it. But on this little piece of paper, it only says, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, I'm telling you this morning, if I've ever felt a mandate in my Holy Spirit to bring you a word, it's today. And here's what we're going to do. Now, we've invited the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's here. Now, God is a a God of order, not of chaos. He set everything into balance and system. So here's what I'm going to do. In the next very few moments, I'm going to present to you a case. For why you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do my very best to dispel all all traditions. to, To remove all hindrances. Because God is going to move and he's going to move in your life right now. Right now, I take authority over every principality. I take authority over every rule of darkness, every disease, every distraction. Flesh bow in the name of Jesus. I take priestly authority right now. Hallelujah.
want you to say this with me right now. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Speak right now. Father, I give you my will. I give you my expectations. I give you my traditions. I give you all of my doubts. And if this be your word, speak it to me now. In Jesus' mighty name, you may be seated. The text we're talking about here, of course, is referring to, thank you guys, is referring to, but don't go very far. The day of Pentecost. Now, the day of Pentecost to the modern American, to the modern American is, if you hear that word, you automatically refer it to the Pentecostals and the Charismatics, right? Whether you're Pentecostal or not, I mean, if someone says the day of Pentecost and you're a Pentecostal, you're like, woo! Right? And so you, you understand it to be that way. If you're, if you're um, not Pentecostal, if you're more of a um, liturgical background, or maybe you're non-religious at all, whatever, but you hear that word, the day of Pentecost, and the only thing you possibly really know about it is a, a, a group of people, right? It, it, really, the only thing you know about it is a group of people, and that's those holy rollers, right? Okay? So... What I want to do is I want to give you some information real quick. The day of Pentecost, of course, that we're talking about. Now, Pentecost was a feast. So it happened every year. So the specific day we're talking about is the one recorded in the book of Acts. This took place approximately at 29 AD. So a lot is going on right here. Now, of course, the Romans rule everything. They're, They're the government in control. They have all the power, but they're frustrated. They're frustrated with the Jewish people. Why are they frustrated with the Jewish people? Wars, their battles, insurrections, all of those things have cost them, have have drained the purse of the Roman government. Famine, 55-year famine and disease is still going on. They have been dealing with this for 55 years of famine and disease. Cost over 20,000 people in one place just in Jerusalem. All of this is going on. So there's all this political turmoil. There's these troops in the region and there's this feeling of unrest. There's this, this, this pressing around them that makes them weary. So the very first thing they do is, of course, they turn on the Jews. Of course, the Jews say, we're not the problem. The Christians are the problem. So they turn on the Christians. They crucify Jesus. They begin to persecute the people who follow after him. And of course, what begins to take place is the church in the midst of this persecution somehow becomes triumphant. In the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the trouble, in the midst of the trial... They triumph. Now what happens here? Well, there's this ruckus that begins on the day of Pentecost. 
What is recorded is there are these men from all over. Now, you have to understand, Pentecost was a feast. It's called the Feast of the Weeks. Okay? Every week after the Passover, there would be another feast. And they would say, thank you, God, for the harvest. Thank you for the harvest, for it is plentiful. This is what's happening. They're all assembling and converging on to this one place called Jerusalem. Where all this trouble's happening. Where all this nonsense and chaos is happening. People from Persia. People from Africa. Egypt. Libya. People from the Isle of Crete. From Greece. From all over the different regions of Asia Minor. All converging in one place. All of Jewish Bloodline. You remember, they scattered, right? The Bible says the lost tribes of the house of Jerusalem, they scattered. Okay, so they're all over the U.S., all over the world, and they come together for this one time of the year to celebrate. What happens is they're standing outside, and here these Christians just experienced the ascension. Of their Lord and Savior. Forty days later, or forty days later, the ascension takes place, and he gives them this word. He says, Go into Jerusalem and wait until you receive power. And after that, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you shall speak with other tongues. Now, what happens is they do what he says, but for ten days nothing happens. They wait, they anticipate, and then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls. Now what happens is, these people that we were talking about are listening in. And they hear these Galileans, these Aramaic speaking people. Okay, They spoke a word called, or a language called Aramaic. Which was basically a mixture of Greek, Hebrew, and Arabic. They, they, they heard them speak their languages. They marveled and they said, how is this to be so? They must be drunk. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose. Seeing it is but the third day. The third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now that statement right there would have resonated immediately with them. Saying this is what the prophet Joel was speaking. You see every Jew would spend their childhood in the temple, the courtyard of the temple, hearing the word of God proclaimed, hearing the scrolls read, they would listen intently as they would read this. So when he says, this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel, immediately they knew what he was inferring. They knew that he was inferring to this passage that said, and of course it's recorded in the book of Acts, but I'm going to read it from the book of Joel. The Lord 
will answer and say to his people, Behold, I am going to send you grain, new wine, and oil. And you will be satisfied in full with them. And I will, listen to this, I will never again make you a disgrace among the nations. Verse 23 says, And he has brought down for you the rain, the early and the latter rain as before. The threshing floors will be full of grain. The harvest is coming in. And the vats will overflow with the new wine and oil. Then I, listen to this, will compensate you for all the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. The creeping locusts. The stripping locusts. The gnawing locusts. You will have plenty to eat and be satisfied. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. Then my people will never be put to shame again. What he's saying is, God's speaking that I know you've been in a famine. I know you've been in a drought. I know you've suffered from disease. I know you have political unrest. I know you have all these things going on. But I'm about to give you what the enemy has taken from you and threw on the ground. I'm about to restore it unto you. Because my economy is not subjugated to their economy. You see, this would have resonated so well because every one of these people were waiting for the day that the Messiah would rescue them. That he would rescue them from their powerless position of being ruled by the Roman government. The corruption in the politics. And the corruption in the government and church alike. And its ideologies. Rescued from its ideologies. You see, their children were indoctrinated in the Roman schools. They were taught them the, taught the mythological ideas, the paganism, the doctrine that tells them, if you just subject yourself to me, we'll take care of you, honey. They, 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 they subjected themselves to that. Those ideologies, you see, even, for instance, let me give you an inference. Saul of Tarsus was a Jew, yet well-versed in the Roman government and literature because he studied in the best of schools. Why do you think persecution ran through his veins? Because he was taught. The same very thing happened in Joel's day. Joel chapter 3, what happens, and it's in the Bible, you can read this. The nations around them had put them at such an economic disadvantage. They traded with them and stole from them and would run in and raid from them and take everything they had. To the point that Judea was so in debt... That they could not pay their bills. 
So what they do is they begin to sell their children to the Greeks to keep peace. What was happening on this day is they were not literally putting on the day of Pentecost their children in physical chains. But they were selling them over to the Roman government and its ideologies to keep the peace. And Peter says to them, this is that. He says, you you have to understand this, many things led up to this state. Corruption, sickness, pestilence, destroyed the, destroyed the crops, and overwhelming debt. So to this first century Jew, this looked very similar. But God gave this order that he would restore all of that that was lost. But he goes beyond that. Verse 28 of Joel chapter 2 says, It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams. Your young men will see visions. And it will come about that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be those who escape. Just as the Lord has said. Even among the survivors the Lord calls in other What he's saying is, he's saying even those that have been taken off, even those that have been enslaved, even those that have been carried about to far from their homeland, even those that have been sold off, even those that have bought into a lie and an ideology, even those that that think that they're now secular humanists, but they've been raised in the church. They can't go far enough because I'm going to hit them with visions. I'm going to hit them with dreams. I'm going to hit them with new life. I'm going to give them prophecy. I'm telling you parents right now, what you feel like is over with your children, what you feel like is the end, where you feel they have been sold out, they have bought a lie, they have bought an ideology, the Spirit of the Lord is coming today to tell you, That they will dream dreams. They will see visions. They will prophesy. Oh, do you believe that this morning? Peter says, this is that. Why in the world would he say that? He's talking about something that happened Millennia ago. Why would he say that? There's documentation that all the things that Joel was talking about occurred. It took place. That's in the history. Why is Peter saying this right now is that? Charlie, if you'd give me that slide. Exhibit A. Got it? I know. I'm sorry. Most modern American Christians have a hard time understanding the Word of God for this very reason. Because you, by default, you can't help it. It's who you are, are linear thinkers. To the, to the left, you're linear thinkers. Okay? 
It's called Hellenistic influence. It's who you are. You can't help it. You see beginning to end. When you wake up in the morning, you say, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this. You see the beginning and the end of everything. When you look at a person's life, you see it from beginning to end. You see it in a linear approach. It's who you are. Well, the very problem is, is the Bible is written by a bunch of silical thinkers who never see an end and never see a beginning. They see things as patterns and repetitions. They see things as they're spoken over here, but they're for this and they're for that and they're for this. And you see, when we look at the Word of God, we have to be careful because we examine it through our modern-day American Greek-influenced, Hellenistic-influenced eyes, and we see it from beginning to end, and we say, well, it happened, that's over. Well, it happened, that's over. Well, it happened, that's over. Well, let me tell you, it don't work that way in the spirit realm, honey. What happens is, is it happens here, and he brings it back. It happens here, and he brings it back. It might be a different guy. It might be a different region. It might be a different thing, but it's the same process and plan. Because it's written by silical thinkers. Let me tell you a modern day uh, silical thinker, just in case you were wondering, Albert Einstein. In case you didn't know, he was a Jew. Modern day uh, silical thinker. Okay? The problem is we cannot look at it with a beginning and an ending. Because we see it as time. But really time exists in eternity. It exists inside of eternity. Sure, you have a birth. And hopefully when you're 120, you have a death. But that ain't it. That's the physical existing inside the eternal. It's the physical in existing inside the spiritual. So when you see these patterns, they come up. The Bible said this in, on the day of Pentecost. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days. Well, you couldn't get any more last than now. I mean, right? Okay. Let's examine this. Next one. We have political unrest. We have economic recession. We've seen some significant changes in our lives. We've seen disease, sickness. Does it sound a little familiar? Let me tell you this. The same answer for Joel. The same answer for Peter. It's the same answer today. That's the power of the Holy Spirit moving and operating in your life. Maybe what you have been facing, the reason why you keep facing it, is because you've been going about it with your flesh. And God is saying, you can't do it in the flesh. You need my spirit to go forward. See, when you have God's economy, you don't worry about the world economy. When you have Christ as your king, you don't worry about who's the leader of the U.S. or the na- any other nation. When we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't worry. Because we are able, we are capable, and God is doing the work. 
You see, Jesus prepares his church. In chapter, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 he says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Jesus said, I'm sending you what you need. That word power is the Greek word dunamis. It means able, capable, more than enough. So number one, I've got a few questions I'd like to answer for you today. Who is the Holy Spirit? John 14, 26 says it this way. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So number one, the Holy Spirit's your comforter. That when you feel like you just can't get through, when you feel like nobody can comfort you, nobody understands, nobody gets you, nobody gets your pain, nobody gets your trial, nobody gets what you're having to deal with, He comes along and says, I get it. The Holy Spirit's your comforter. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. That when it doesn't make sense, that when you thought this was okay, it comes along and says, honey, that ain't okay. When you were raised to think this was okay, it comes along and says, ah, mm. it's your teacher. It guides you that when the words that you're reading make absolutely no sense, when the Holy Spirit comes over you, it begins to reveal the things. It begins to show you things. It begins to expose it. The Holy Spirit reminds you of the words God has spoken. He said this. He said, and brings all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So that when you are having a moment where you can't remember, where you can't think, where you're flustered, you're standing before that college professor who's got a doctorate degree in particle physics and you don't have a clue what you're saying, but all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes on you and gives you the word and tells exactly what's supposed to happen. It brings all things under repentance. That when you forget what God has called you to, He brings you back to remembrance. When you forget the vision, He brings you back to remembrance. When you forget... Where you are supposed to be headed, he calls it back unto remembrance. Romans 14 and 17 says that he brings you joy. It's joy unspeakable and it's full of glory. If you struggle in life right now with joy, if you say, I am so desperate, I am so down, I am so trodden, I don't understand, I am so just, just had it with all these people. He brings you joy. Number two, my next thing. What's up with the speaking in tongues? Right? Everybody who's ever, you know, wasn't raised in, uh, even if you were raised in Pentecost, you probably have asked that question. What's up with that? Maybe not like that, you ask. Well, you see, the book of Acts is describing the church after the ascension of Jesus Christ. It's a book that is written with the intent to describe what the church should look like after the ascension of Jesus and before his return. That's the time slot. Okay? You don't believe me? I'm going to prove it. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10 says, Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. 
Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Now here's the... For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. Okay, two things right there. Do you know everything yet? Do you always get it right? Then you still know in part. The next thing is, that which is perfect has come. Well, Hebrews 5 and 9 states that Jesus is the perfect one. We're talking about the, the first century church to the coming, the second coming of Jesus Christ. So in that time slot, everything that existed in the book of Acts still exists. There's the word. There's the scripture. You can go back and read it if you don't believe me. Everything that existed then still exists. Healings still exist. Miracles, signs, and wonders still exist. Deliverance still exists. And yes, tongues still exist. Mark 16 and 17 says this. These signs will accompany those who have believed it. Who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons. And they will speak with other tongues. With new tongues. Acts chapter 2 and 4 says. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts chapter 10 verse 46 through 47. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues. And exalting God. Then Peter responded, surely no one one can refuse the water for these to be baptized. We have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Can he? Acts 19 and 6 says, and when Peter had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began to speak, speaking with tongues and prophesying. Everywhere in the book of Acts you see that they were either filled are baptized with the Holy Spirit, they spoke in other tongues. Everywhere in there. Now you're going to say, why? What, what is that all about? Give me my next slide. You see that cup? That cup is half full. Not half empty. That doesn't matter for this point, but that cup is half full, right? If I drank out of that cup, could it bring me nourishment? I mean, could it quench my thirst? Right? Could it, could it kind of pause my thirst? Right? I mean, it, it's got limited capacity. Because it's, it's only half full. So, but, but depending on how thirsty I am, that might mean more to me than anything. Depending on how dry I am, that might mean more to me than anything. Okay? When... When, when you become a new believer, the Holy Spirit starts operating in your life. Okay? And that's why people get confused and they say, well, well, you know, the Holy Spirit's working in me. Yes, it's working in you. But that's about the capacity. Okay? Alright? Now, how do we know when it's filled? When what's inside... Flows on the outside. Then it's at full capacity. Then it can quench our thirst. 
then when we are filled, we're at full capacity. Tongues are the outward expression of what's on the inside. It is a uniform evidence. It lets everyone know what just transpired. When Listen, none of you start speaking in tongues whenever you get a phone call. We don't know that you got a phone call by you speaking in tongues. It doesn't work that way, right? But everybody in here, that if you know of somebody who has spoken tongues or is speaking in tongues, what do you equate it with? Well, either you think they're crazy or it's the Holy Ghost speaking through them. It's a uniform idea. It also helps your witness. It gives you boldness to proclaim. Listen, if the Holy Spirit starts coming out of you and speaking out of you, you will have boldness like you've never seen before. Okay? It's an outward expression of what is happening on the inside. You know when you get joy? Joy is something that's an outward expression of what's inside. When you're full. The joy comes when you're full. Let me give you a story real quick. This is a true story, by the way. This mother was about to pass. She had this rock. And she left this rock in in a will to her children. And she said, I want you guys to promise me this. That rock, please do not sell it. Until you have it appraised. I've never had it appraised. I've never had it looked at. But I think it might be of something of value. Please do not sell it without having it appraised. I'm just asking you to promise me that. I don't care what you do with it. But I'm just saying, before you decide to get rid of it, have it appraised. They said, okay. Ugly rock. We're going to have appraised. So one day they're all sitting around. They're gathering everything. And they're clearing out mom's things. One of them says, you know what, we ought to get rid of this. Look at this thing. It's, no, it's just a paperweight. There's really no, nothing good for it. Let's get rid of it. It's ugly. The other one says, well, listen, we promised mom that before we did anything with this, we had to get it appraised. So they take it to an expert, a jeweler. And the jeweler appraises it, and he finds out that it's a $1.5 million diamond. Guess when they got the joy? The joy happens when what's on the inside finally is revealed. When the coal is chipped away. When the distractions are taken away. When the outer core is shedded off. Then what comes out, the diamond that's revealed, is when the joy happens. So my next thing is, why should I be filled? Well, that's a good question. Acts chapter 1 verse 4 and 8 says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, Have you heard from me? For John truly baptized with water, but you shall baptize with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Why 
Do you want to be filled? Because today, more than ever, people need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. People need to know, they need to hear it, and not only do they need to hear it, but there are miracles that are going to take place. There are miracles in your life that's going to take place. Some of you have been trying to fight things in the natural world. And God's saying, I'm ready to fight them in the spirit. But I need you to be filled with my overflow. Why do you need to be filled? Because look, every day that's you. You're pouring out every day. You're pouring into your children. You're pouring into your husband and your wife or or wife. You're pouring into all of the people around you. Teachers, you're pouring into other children. Parents, you're pouring into maybe some kids that aren't your own. You're pouring, you're pouring, you're pouring. Preachers, pastors, all that, you're pouring. If you're not being filled, you're going to eventually run empty. You need to be filled. Acts 8, 29 talks about the Spirit giving Philip exactly what to say. Sometimes you need the Holy Spirit to speak for you. And my last one, and if I can get the prayer team to go ahead and start making your way to help me. And, uh, yeah. How can I get filled with the Holy Spirit? Understand, Pastor Justin. Understand. Understand that that happens. You, you, you've laid out a case. It happens. Okay. People speak in tongues. I get it. I, I understand that, that me being filled would be a good thing. May even be exactly what I need right now. But you don't know me. You, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the things in my life that I battle on a regular basis. I'm not even sure if I know Jesus exists. How can I get filled with the Holy Spirit? Number one says you have to believe the word of Jesus. Remember, You have to understand, they probably were a height of doubt, right? Jesus had just left them. Then he rose again on the third day. And 40 days later, he leaves them again. And then he tells them to go wait in Jerusalem for something. I mean, can you imagine the doubt? Can you imagine what they would have thought? Are you serious? I mean, you're going to leave us again? And he says... Don't worry. Go to Jerusalem. Tarry there. Because I'm going to endue you with high power. With power. So you have to. It's not so much. Believing is not always about being convinced. Believing is about acting on the word. Acting on it. I might not understand it. I might not be convinced. But I'm going to act upon it. They went. Whether they believed it or not, they went. Then you have to be in one mind. Focus. No distractions. No divisions. All in one place. Together. Wanting the same thing. 
the presence of God, the touch of the Holy Spirit. Not Democrat or Republican, not, not, not me or this or that. One thing, wanting to be filled with His power. And when the day of Pentecost fully come, they were in all with one accord in one place. Then Acts chapter 2 verse 38 says, you must repent. Everybody in here, would you stand right now? Every head bowed and every eye closed. First of all, I want to say this this morning. That if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Right now. Would you raise your hand? If you don't know him, I see that hand. Yeah, yep. Okay. Any more, any more. Come on, if you don't know Jesus, it's okay, it's okay. I'm not going to embarrass you. You don't have to worry if you don't know Jesus. All right? I see that hand. Okay. So I'm going to pray with them, but I want everybody to pray this together, okay? You... You, you have to hear me on this. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I come before you today broken. Not knowing whether I deserve you or not. But I ask you today, would you please forgive me? Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of the lustful sins. Forgive me of the prideful sins. Forgive me of the sins of ignorance. I commit today my life unto you. I know that Jesus shed his blood on the cross for me. And because of that, I have new life. Come into my life today. Be with me today, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now I'm going to give you some instructions here in just a minute, okay? Stay with me. Galatians 3 and 2 says that it cannot be received by works. It must be received by faith, which is a good thing. Because there's nothing you and I could do to, to, to deserve it. Could not happen. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. But you can't work at this. There's not enough physical exercise in the world for you to do that. And I say this because sometimes us as Pentecostals, we think we have to shake you and bake you and do all that for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe God moves in all that. But I'm telling you that right now, whatever your comfort zone is, He can move. But you have to receive it by faith. Okay? I'm going to ask you. If you have not spoken in tongues in a very long time. You have not prayed in your prayer language in a very long time. And you're tired of this dry season. Would you come up here right now? And I'm going to ask you to come over here to this side right here. Come on, anybody in here, you haven't spoken in tongues in a long time? Yep, come on. Yep, yep, right here. Right here, right here. That's okay. Come on, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Come on. Come on. Come on, that's okay. Now I'm going to ask you, if you have not been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 
and you would like to be filled and you want to be filled today, I'm going to ask you to come forward right now. Five people in the early service received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Come on, come on, come on. That's it. Come on, come forward. That's it. Don't be ashamed. Come on. Line up. Yep. Come on. Come on. That's it. That's it. That's it. Respond to the word. Respond to the word. Now, I know what you're saying right here. You might be thinking, oh, my God, what did I just do? I don't know what I just did. You might be thinking to yourself, I, I don't believe this is going to happen. How is this going to happen? You know what? The Bible says that they laid hands on them and they began to speak with other tongues. I believe it's going to happen. And that's all you need to know. Amen? They're going to sing. If you want to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come up here. If you need a miracle in your life, come on up here. If you need healing in your body, come on up here. Come on. Amen? All right. Begin to pray. Thank you again for listening to this message. We pray that it has inspired you like never before. For more information about Crystal River Church of God, how to give, or even our upcoming events, be sure to check us out at crystalrivercog.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. And we will see you next week here at CRCOG.